0: We are in Romans chapter 12. I did decide I'm gonna go back for a short while on verses six through eight, because we just really sped through that at the end of the last time that we were together. And there's some things I just want to pick up on and we'll go from there. So we'll begin at verse six. We are in a series called Back to the Basics, lesson 21. Thank you for those who are here live and in person, those who will be cool to watch YouTube and listen in on the podcast. So let's begin uh, Romans chapter 12. Like I said, we're going to go through verses 6 through 8 because we kind of ran really quickly through that last week. Verses 6 through 8 are not only a list of some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, You'll find gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in other places besides here. But it's also an exhortation to use those gifts. I think we said that last week. But uh, also a little bit on how to use those gifts. And we didn't really get into that last week. So that's why I wanted to go back. So let's read uh, verses 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, Let us use them. Right there. Use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. In proportion to our faith. Notice how you're supposed to prophesy. In proportion to our faith. For ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. That's how you're supposed to give. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So let's, let's kind of dissect those just a little bit. So if you have the gift of prophecy, and we did say last week that if you have the Holy Spirit, you can be used in these gifts, all of them, Could be, they may or may not be your, what I would say, your main or your chief gift. Because I do believe that people kind of typically have a gift in a specific area, but God can use you in all of those. So it says, uh, in prophecy, prophesy in proportion to our faith. So let me just ask you a question, and then maybe we'll work our way around to that. So if you're going to prophesy, why does it take faith? Why do you need to prophesy according or in proportion to our faith? you got to believe what you're saying. Exactly. If you're going to prophesy, I would definitely say believe. Have faith. Because some things the Lord tells you to say will stretch your faith. Kind of like what I talked about a couple of weeks ago, prophesying to those folks that the Lord said, go buy a present for that baby whenever I knew that they had miscarriages. More than one. That was not the easiest thing to say because of the circumstances. So I had to have faith. And I had to know it was the Lord. Matter of fact, I waited. He said, say it. And I waited and prayed a little longer than I said Because it was a little stretch of faith. You know, you got to know it's the Lord, right? <laughs> There's a level of faith, trust, knowing you can say. And if God has really spoken to you, you should say it. A lot of the gifts, especially gifts like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, comes in interpretation, well, the interpretation part. A lot of times God will say something and it's an affirmation of the scripture. He'll have you quote a scripture. Sometimes knowing that that is the scripture is going to be a help to another. Benefit to you. So if prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. Sometimes we get the wrong idea of what prophecy is. Prophecy is twofold, or it is two different ways that you can prophesy. What is foretelling? It's a predictive thing. Of, Thus says the Lord, this will happen, you know. That kind of thing. The other is a fourth telling. Now it may seem like we're kind of semantics here, but the fourth telling is speaking the heart of God that may or may not be in a predicted this is going to happen in the future. It's just speaking a word to the people of God for them, maybe for the house, maybe for the church, whatever. Uh, But it is forth telling. It's speaking what God has given for you to tell them for that moment and may not be about anything in the future. So it's foretelling and foretelling. Some of these gifts overlap. It could be a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, but prophecy is speaking what God has said for that moment as well. Uh, Sometimes a word of wisdom, word of knowledge can literally be you should do this and, and not do that. And that could be a word of wisdom, which just comes, may or may not be, thus said the Lord, you know, kind of thing. Well, still, the Lord says it, but more practical uh, and not necessarily as much as speaking the heart of God. I would be leery of a prophecy. The Lord has at least been dealing with your heart in some manner. And the reason why I say that is, most of the time, it is a confirming word that God's already been dealing with you about. So if somebody comes up to you prophetically and says, you're supposed to go be a missionary in Cambodia, and you have never heard from God about any kind of mission work or anything, consider the word, take it to prayer. You know, I, I wouldn't act on it immediately unless God does go you sell your that. house and pack your bags. Right. Not until you hear from the Lord, and you, and you hopefully will, and you might say no, that was not. I may have heard people miss it whenever someone prophesied to someone. I remember a fairly young minister who prophesied over a young lady, and it disturbed her terribly. Other folks who were more mature in the Lord said, don't worry about it, That. That was not. That was not of the Lord. That was not the right word for you. Uh, We do have. What does the Scripture tell us? We're supposed to weigh these words, and we're supposed to listen and take it back to the Lord. God says, "I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this. You're going to have a son. You're going to be the father of many nations. All of that. It had both a foretelling and a foretelling." aspect to it. Yes, it was a promise. When you when you look at prophecy in the Bible, we have a tendency to think, oh, I want somebody to prophesy to me because we have a tendency to think it's all going to be good. If you look at the Old Testament, which is a huge section of the Old Testament, is the old prophets and what they had to say was not always a great thing. Now God would redeem Israel time after time after time, but He would send the prophets to say, you're gonna be captured. You're gonna be taken into captivity. Uh, You're gonna be there for this amount of years. And so uh, having the gift of prophecy may or may not uh, uh, be something that is necessarily gonna always be a positive message for somebody. There's many prophets that were killed or put in jail for not ministering or speaking something that, uh, right. that they wanted to hear. If the Lord gives you something to speak, you got to speak to it. Hopefully, people will listen. So let's move on down. Uh, so we, if you're going to prophesy, prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, there are some commentaries that would say that's not about just having faith to say it and to believe it, but it's according to our doctrines or the faith. Uh, you can take it either way. I can just tell you that when you prophesy, it's going to require faith to believe that the Lord has given that to you and faith to say it uh, in many instances. One of those is ministry. And we get, this is another place where we get an idea of what ministry is and What it is not. Some people think ministry is. What I do behind the pulpit. Or behind this podium here. And that is a ministry. But the ministry that it's talking about here. Is literally serving people in practical ways. When you look at this. You look up the original. It's about serving in practical ways. that is ministry. Helping people. Serving people. Being there for them picking them up, helping them. That's ministry. I would say that is real ministry. And what I do is very easy part of ministry. Sometimes. Uh, although I end up in both types of ministry, uh, helping people. So this ministry that he's talking about is a broader view of what ministry is, which is to serve uh, people in practical ways. That might be, Which we'll get to a little bit later on. But that might be putting food in front of people. Help them get food. Help them get water. Their needs met. Those basic needs. So uh, that's what ministry is, is. What he's talking about here. So teaching. And I want to break this down. Teaching is about instruction. So what we're doing tonight. This is teaching interactive. You're asking questions. I'm trying to. Talk about it. We're trying to learn together. And that's instruction. Uh, Some people lecture. Some people, you know, but it's all, all that is instruction. Uh, But there's another word that we use, and it's exhortation. How many have heard the word exhortation or exhort? The Pentecostal Church of God, the very first credential level, you are called an exhort. So what does it mean to exhort? To lift up, you're you're right there. Uh, so it is to encourage people to practice what they have been taught. So these these go hand in hand. If you are being taught but not exhorted, I love the, I love this commentary. It says you will become a fat sheep. That's like taking in food all the time. And never doing, never exercising and never ministering what you have learned. Never using it. Never applying it. It'd be like me going home, gorging and myself and never going to the gym. Never expend, expending any energy. Uh, just laying there on the couch. If you're taught but not exhorted you'll be like a fat sheep. If you're exhorted but not taught then you're really excited, but you burn out real quick and you don't really accomplish anything. I makes you a little hamster on the, the spinning wheel. That's exhortation without teaching. Kind of a picture of that. Teaching without exhortation, you just get loaded down with knowledge and scripture and all of that, but then what do we... We don't come together tonight to just... Be taught, go home, and feel like oh, I learned something. Now, part of the learning is application. How do you use? It? How do you use it, ministry or something? You know, how are we going to use that? Because if sometimes Pentecostal people and ministries are more exhorter, lopsided, real excited, get people you know, excited about the Lord, but what? Yeah. Energetic, but then when you go home, it was like, well, that was awesome, but what did I really learn? How, how did I apply that? I mean, I'm just being honest. The Lord can, will convict me if I preach a message like that. That's why I've always got three or four points, and how do you apply it? And how, I mean, you may or may not like that kind of preach-teach, but that's, that's what the Lord wants us to do. To be able to not just have the energy and the passion. You need that. I don't want to stand up here and just lecture and, and have you all listen. I want to be excited about what God wants to do through you and impart wisdom and knowledge. Uh, he who gives, who knows that there is actually a gift of giving? Now, all of us are supposed to give, uh, but there are those who. God provides resources to and through and the body of Christ needs that. That's how many ministries uh, take off and are able to meet needs of hundreds or even thousands of people because God is using somebody with or somebody's more than one uh, with a gift of giving. And it says if you got that gift, Then be liberal with it. Don't be tight. If God's blessed you that much, don't hold back on it. If you do, and I've noticed this is in the commentary, but I've seen this happen. If you hold back on your resources and God has overabundantly blessed you, I've seen those resources dry up at times. If you don't use that gift for the Lord, it is a gift. He who leads. There's a gift of leadership. These are not ones that we always talk about, right? But here, it's a gift of leadership. What are you supposed to do with this gift of leadership? You're supposed to be what? Diligent. What does that mean? Keep on keeping up. Persevere, right? In leadership, uh, it's easy to get discouraged because you're leading people and sometimes they want to be led, and sometimes they don't. So it can be discouraging. What you do is you just have to keep on being diligent. Keep doing what God's called you to do, even if you don't see the results that you feel like you'd like to see or that God has said that you will see. You've got to keep on ministering. You don't give up on it. So he who shows mercy, how are they supposed to show mercy? Cheerfully. Now, I think this is very uh, interesting. How I many of that it can be tiring to be merciful? It can be. That means you're constantly giving out. You're constantly being merciful in a situation where you're forgiving constantly. You're being merciful. You're doing all these things. And it's that's difficult. I'm just going to be honest. you ever get tired of just the same old, same old from certain people? Uh, showing mercy is a, is a supernatural gift. We have to have the right attitude to show it. If you find yourself with the gift of mercy, but you're running out of steam, take a step back and uh, ask the Lord to help you because uh, you need to be able to do it with, with uh, cheerfulness. You end up figuring out that it's not your love. It's, that God. it's God's. And so God, God will help you in situations that, right now I'm thinking about Peter. Peter came to the Lord and said, God, should I give seven times? And he was excited. He thought, man, I'm, I'm on it right here, you know, if I could give somebody seven times. And the Lord said, seventy. The rest of this chapter is broken down into three large sections. So the first one is a set of instructions uh, on living like a Christian with others. Relating to those in the Christian family. Now, surely we never have problems with others who are Christians. Don't we always just get along perfectly with other people who are Christians? The answer is no, and that's why the Apostle Paul talks about it here, right? How to relate to those other Christians in the Christian family and how, uh, how should we treat one another. Uh, and so it's very practical. It really is. It's very practical. Let's read it, verses 9 through 13. So let love be without hypocrisy, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in indulgence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, Woo. continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to Hospitality. Those all seem like very basic uh, things that the, that the Lord wants us uh, to do in our interactions with one another. So let love be without hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Two faces. Saying one thing, doing another. Obviously, you can't love and be, have hypocrisy because that's not real love. So don't say you love and then have different actions. You're just hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Those are two things that we do. Don't just shy away or abhor what is evil but also cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. So remember this is a command. we are supposed to love one another and be kind to one another. Wow, that's different than just love. I've heard people say, Well, I have to love you, but I don't have to like you. I don't know that that's necessarily what God's looking for, because He said, You need to be kind and affectionate. That's hard, that's difficult. So, in other words, don't be standoffish. Our personalities don't always match up with people, sometimes they're just different than us. But when it comes to another Christian, here's a call to go above and beyond that. Don't just be standoffish, but accept and be kind to another Christian, to honor them, to prefer them. Uh, those are difficult things. These are not doable without the Holy Spirit helping you do them. Kind of good manner. These, you could look at these as good manners for Christians. Don't be lagging in diligence. We talked about that word. Don't be lazy. So don't lag in diligence. In other words, don't be lazy. How many of us that the church is not a place for laziness? Uh, some people think the church is just a place to come in and be sent down and to be taught and to do nothing. And that's not the fullness of what God has called us to do. Now, I'm not saying you have to work up yourself to death. Uh, but there's work in the kingdom of God, and work is not a four-letter word in the kingdom. If you, love, you know where I'm going, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, I work because the Father worked. It's actually a blessing to be able to work for the kingdom, because it is, right? It's a blessing. We're fulfilling what God has put inside of us, so it's, it's actually a blessing. So uh, it's an exhortation from Paul here, preaching to the choir. But he's saying, don't be be lazy. Warm relationships and good manners with each other. Work hard and work hard together. We know that God's put us here to work together with each other. Be fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Notice who we're serving. This is about how we interact with one another. But we're actually serving the Lord in how we interact with one another. When you don't treat other Christians right, you're slighting God as much as you are slighting that other person. Serving you're serving the Lord. To be fervent in spirit. What do you think that means? Passionate, on fire, not lukewarm. It means boiling. Like water that's boiling. It's it's reached a Passionate temperature, right? Fervent, passionate, excited, not lazy, energetic about serving. We are to do all that we do as unto the Lord, right? So if we halfway do something, and then think we're doing it to the Lord, it doesn't even make sense, does it? If the Lord has saved us, set us on a path of eventually heaven being our home, then why would we work for Him and His kingdom like that, right? Uh, But we uh, are to be passionate. Boy, rejoicing in hope. Why do we have hope? Because He's our our blessed hope, right? Well, heaven, believe me, heaven is going to be awesome. We've read about heaven, right? The ultimate reward is to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. It ain't going to be a bad place to be even at all, but the reward, the ultimate of that is we're in the presence of the Lord. Imagine, you know, as everything kind of circles the throne and the lamp on the throne, and as we encircle the throne, we get a different view and a different dimension of the glory of God as we encircle the throne. Every little bit that we turn, we see a new side and a new amazingness about Jesus. And we're going to be in heaven for eternity. And I don't believe we'll ever fully, even with eternity, capture the glory of God. So he is our hope. We're to rejoice in our hope. uh, Not necessarily rejoice in our results. We're to rejoice and hope, to be patient in tribulation. Remember, we're talking about interactions with other Christians here in General too. Uh, we do have tribulation, but sometimes we have to learn how to be patient with other Christians as well, don't we? You have to put up with the pastor sometimes. So sometimes we, we, we have to be patient in our tribulation. But we have tribulation beyond uh, just dealing with other Christians for sure. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. So, our care and our concern is going to demonstrate itself in practical deeds done for others. We are to be given to hospitality. You remember the scripture that talks about that we sometimes might entertain angels unaware. Sometimes I, I think we, we do that and we're, we're not aware. If you've ever helped someone and then you know, you knew like I can't believe I just did that. I went way out to help this person and you didn't even know who they were. Maybe you were entertaining. Maybe the Lord was testing you in that. Uh, but it is hospitality is very practical ministry. Remember we talked about ministry? Hospitality. A very practical ministry. Now, what does the word hospitality mean? Really, a generous reception of others, even strangers. So it's it's a love for strangers, a love for people. It's love in action is really the best way to describe that. Does, the Bible does talk about a cup of cold water or offering, you know. And hospitality isn't just I'm going to challenge you thinking, is it hospitality that it's somebody you already love? Uh, we have a tendency to think hospitality is just giving food or that kind of thing, but it's not just that. It's love and action. Not just feelings, but action. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, as we have different gifts, you can have all of these. I can act in hospitality. I will tell you that is not my major gift. My major gift, because I've taken those tests that tell you what your major gifts are. And my major gift is preaching what you would hope for, right? The pastor and teaching some other gifts that are in there, but those are my major gifts. And then, you know what? When you need hospitality in a church. I mean, yeah, part part of that is is serving like at funerals and just doing those kinds of things you know it's not it's not only that but it's that is an example of how you you, you definitely are being hospitable uh, being hospitable is uh greeting people when they come at the door welcoming them you know all those art greeters, ushers uh people that maybe go out into the parking lot if need be uh, on, a, on a bad day uh, all those things are Shaking a hand, I know that people don't hardly do that anymore because they got so scared during COVID. I don't know, this being, am I being truthful, right? Uh, they got so scared during COVID that they won't even shake a hand, and sometimes you may be the only person that they haven't had a physical touch that week. And some of you aren't just handshakers, some of you are huggers, too, right? <laughs> that is being hospitable, right? Uh, all those things that we looked at. I would say love and action, or maybe even just love for strangers and others. Alright, how do we relate to those outside of the Christian family? Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse. So we are not have a hateful attitude even towards people who don't like us and let us know they don't like us. We're not supposed to have a hateful attitude towards them. That's not always easy. That's what it's telling us. Don't have a hateful attitude towards those who persecute you. So that's going beyond just not being nice to you Somebody who persecutes you is looking to hurt you in some way. Whether it's emotionally or physically or however it might be. We're not to curse them, we're supposed to bless them. Not bless them out, bless them. You know, Jesus really spoke the same kind of thing in Matthew 5.46 when he said, If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same thing. We have to go beyond just loving those who love us in order to have God's kind of love. That agape love. Uh, that kind of love overflows, surpasses human love. That's how we're to treat those who uh, are outside of the Christian faith. Is the blessing.
1: I'm in church so I'm just say this, I'm in church so
0: much, and sometimes even when I meet people outside of church and they're not church people, and I shake their hand and I'm doing other kind of business, and I will sometimes say, Bless you. And I don't even like it, just is a part of who we become that we're to bless other people. Uh, and so it should come kind of natural. I'm not bragging on myself, I'm just saying, have you found have you ever found yourself do that? Not cursing. All right, let's read quickly verses 15 through 21. And this is how to get along with people both inside and outside the church. Well, these are the three different categories that we've looked at. This is the last one. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Didn't say don't be wise, it said don't be wise in your own opinion. Uh, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, you hear this? If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. What is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is where we treat everybody. Those who are inside the faith and outside the faith. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. To be considerate of others' feelings. You don't want to rejoice when somebody's weeping, and you don't want to weep when somebody's rejoicing. You come alongside them and you are there to support them. Make sure that you don't think too highly of yourself. Don't have a high, don't be high-minded. Don't think uh, that you know everything and they don't know anything. Sometimes it does. Even if it's true, yes. Don't do that. Don't be wise in your own uh, opinion, but be like Jesus. When we say that Jesus left everything in heaven, the seat of glory, the throne, and he stooped down and did not think it too much to be asking him to become a man. Yeah? That's a part of what, how we're to treat one another. Nobody really likes a know-it-all. That's the truth. Don't think too highly of yourself. Uh, Don't repay evil uh, for evil. We're to love our enemies and treat those well who treat us badly. These are, are a stretch. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot do these. right? Because your natural inclination is going to be to bite somebody's head off if they do you wrong, right? It's just me. Maybe I'm just a bad guy. I don't know. So live peaceably with all men, in contrast to the world. But it says, if it is possible, why would it not be possible to live at peace with people? They won't let you, right? They won't let you as much as this is saying as much as it is up to you so that's not telling you to be a Matt, it's also not saying agree with things that is against God's word but it's saying if you can get along with people if you need to get along with them don't compromise what God's told us to do and the world does not want to hear your message by the way so doing you will keep coals of fire on your head. So what does this mean? So there there is an aspect of by doing that in your actions, but also the only way you were able to do it was because the Holy Spirit helped you. Then there is a conviction on them. Not that just we convicted them, because I don't know that we should try to convict them, but that just we should live for the Lord, and sometimes. That's just going to yeah. convict people, treating them like a friend instead of like an enemy. Yeah. That's one way to get rid of an enemy, is to treat them like a friend. Have you ever had somebody who just, you knew they didn't like you, and they treated you badly, but you kept just treating them good anyway? And before too long, they weren't quite so mean. They start to talk with you and not talk at you and to you. Uh, and before long, you can develop a friendship with a person that at first that they won't adopt. You. That is an old saying, a old kindness. All right, we need to look at our questions. So just kind of fill in the blanks here. This comes directly out of the scripture. If prophesy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence, He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Prophecy can be both foretelling and foretelling. What does Paul mean by ministry? Serving in practical ways. What is the difference between teaching and exhortation? Instruction versus encouragement to do what you have been instructed. Fervent. What does it mean to happen? How can fervent and spirit be translated? Passionate, boiling. uh, All those words are uh, sufficient for that. What does hospitality mean? Open action, love for strangers. Straight from the scripture, like those who persecute you, bless those who who persecute you. And then what? Bless and do not curse. Right along with that, question eight. Rejoice Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What is the conditional cause in verse 18? If it be possible.